I'm just kidding. Y'all doing all right this evening? It's the last night. We can all be sad about that. But what I'm really concerned about when I say that is that you're all very tired. So this is not going to be too long, all right? And uh, with it being the last night, tonight is kind of a, it's a take-home message for us. It's very important things for us to know in regards to what we've talked about and being transformed from the inside out. It's very important stuff for you to know as as you take home uh, the, the thoughts from camp and continue to evaluate the fruit of your life. See, this is one of the things about the Christian faith that's so important. Paul reminds the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians at the end of the book, examine yourselves and see whether or not you're in the faith. So this isn't just something that we do one time or once a year when we come to summer camp. This is something that's an ongoing practice of the Christian life. And so what I want to do tonight is give you four characteristics of good fruit that will help you evaluate whether or not your fruit is genuine. And under each of these four characteristics, these four four points, I want to uh, ask you a question that every person needs to continually ask themselves as they examine their life to determine whether or not their fruit is real. So uh, here's the main idea. If you have your book, uh, this is a different main idea than, than what's in your book, but it should match what's on the screen. So if you've got your pen ready, I'm going to be asking you to jot down quite a few things tonight. So, so first, here's the main idea. That understanding the nature of good fruit helps us better evaluate our lives to see if our faith is genuine. So when we understand the nature of good fruit, it helps us to to rightly examine our lives to determine if our faith is genuine. And so here's the the first characteristic of good fruit. Good fruit brings glory to God. Good fruit brings glory to God. And here's the question that we need to be continually asking ourselves as we evaluate our lives lives. Do I produce good fruit for my glory or God's glory? Do I produce good fruit for my glory or God's glory? We've already spent time on on Wednesday night, even before we got to camp, and then on Friday night, talking about the temptation that we all have to do good things so that we'll impress other people. And the reality is that, that we can do righteous acts, we can do good things, but if the motivations behind those good things, behind those righteous acts, is sinful, then it's not actually good fruit. So, the purpose of good fruit is to bring glory to God. John 15, 8. Jesus says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So when we bear much good fruit in our lives, God is glorified. Matthew 5, 16 gives us this same type of idea. It says, Let your light so shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So here's what Jesus is teaching in both of these verses. That God is glorified. God being glorified means that God is worshipped. God is honored. God is praised. And he's glorified by others when we produce good fruit. When we live with our affections, our attitudes, and our actions pointed toward him. So what's the connection there? What's the connection between our actions and God's glory? If you're a Christian in the room, you're claiming to be a reflection of God. And so when you do that rightly, you rightly reflect the character of God to a watching world, you create worship in other people's 
lives. They see your good works and they glorify your Father who's in heaven. How many of you at the end of each school year, they do like award ceremonies for you guys? They do that? So, so every award that I got, and I went to like a, a really small Christian school for most of my life. Uh, every award that I got that was related to school or to sports. Uh, and in sports, I never actually got talent awards. I always got like, you know, persistence. Or I actually, did, I got uh, an award called the Heart Award because I had, I had so much heart. So uh, when, I, when I would get these awards, even though they, they weren't very impressive, my parents were, were always just as, if not more excited about them than I was. Right? And people would come up to them and they would say things like, man, you, you really raised that boy right. Or, uh, you know, the, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And, and my parents got to, to celebrate in the, the awards that I had gained. And so all of my sec- successes were a credit to my parents because I was a reflection of my parents. But the reverse is also true. So w- when you get in trouble at home with your parents, part of the reason that they get so upset is because you've embarrassed them. You've made them look like bad parents. This is particularly true if, uh, if you're out in public. Nor and Emery make us look like terrible parents all the time. They just misbehave in public. We lose our temper. We blow up. We whatever. We look like terrible parents, and that's what frustrates us. So, so whether it's good or whether it's bad, the way that we live reflects our parents. It reflects who we belong to, and the same is true of the Lord. If we claim to be a Christian, then our good works are going to lead others to worship God. So when you sacrificially love the kid at school that no one else will love, you're not just bringing glory to yourself. You're bringing glory to God. There was a a marked moment in my life when I really learned what it meant to be a servant. And it was the summer after my freshman year of college. I worked at a summer camp called Student Life Camp. And there was a, a guy who was my supervisor for the summer whose name was Jack. And he drilled into us all summer long, 2 Corinthians 4, 5. What we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. And my experience of serving alongside of Jack, serving under Jack, and and everything that he taught me about what it meant to be a servant forever changed the way that I served my family back then when I was in college, and now the way that I serve my wife And when that happened, I got home at the end of the summer, and one of the first things I did was apologize to my mom for how selfish I had been in our house as as a teenager. And I told her that I wanted to be committed to being a better servant in our home. And a funny thing happened. My mom wasn't just thankful to me. Like, I was doing more things around the house. I was being more helpful. But she wasn't just thankful to me. She was thankful to God. The change in me was evidence of God's power at work. And my mom worshipped and still worships at that work. But the reverse is also true. If we claim to be a Christian but we consistently produce bad fruit, people will see our hypocrisy and they will reject Christianity. There are students in our student ministry who are not Christians right now because of the way that other students in our student ministry have treated them. They have become an obstacle to God's glory being made known among us. But not only does our good fruit serve as a reflection of God's character, we miss this often. Good fruit is actually the reason that God saved us. John 15, 16. 
He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. That word, that, in that verse is crucial. That the reason God chose me, the reason God appointed me unto salvation is so that I would go out and I would bear fruit. I would produce good fruit. So if you're a believer in the room, you claim to be a Christian and you're not producing good fruit, you're not fulfilling God's intention in saving you. There's so much cultural emphasis for us that that God has saved us so that we can be blessed, so that that, that we can receive abundance and live a wonderful life. And and a lot of that on a spiritual level is true, but we can overemphasize that to the point that we mistakenly believe that God has saved us for our glory, when in reality he saved us for his. If you remember from Ephesians 2 last night, the reason that God saved us was to show the immeasurable riches of his grace. So he saved us to show himself off, not to show us off. So when our lives are transformed by the gospel that we talked about last night, then we actually fulfill our purpose. We walk in the good works that God saved us to walk in. Have any of you ever been just just completely frustrated when you've bought something at the store and you take it home and you, you try it out and it doesn't work? It's so annoying, or my gosh, Amazon is just incredibly popular. You buy something online, you never actually touched it before. You wait three days for it to get to your house, and it gets there, and it doesn't work. It's extremely frustrating to buy something and it not fulfill the purpose that it was intended for. Well, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says that you were bought with a price. Christ died on the cross in your place to save you, to purchase you. So if you're in Christ, you belong to him. And if we think it's frustrating to purchase something and not have it used the way it's supposed to be used, how frustrating, how how difficult must that be for Christ to lay down his life for us to purchase us and then us be rendered ineffective by the bad fruit that continues in our lives. Because God has purchased us, we have a responsibility to fulfill the purpose of the one who bought us. And when we don't produce good fruit, we shortchange God of the glory that he intends to receive from our lives. The second characteristic of good fruit is that good fruit lasts. Good fruit lasts. Are you talking to a robot back there? (laughs) It's all right. So, good fruit lasts. Here's the the question that we've got to ask ourselves as we evaluate our faith. Is my good fruit temporary or lasting? Is my good fruit temporary or lasting? And and, and here's what Scripture clearly teaches. If the good works of your life, the good fruit of your life is temporary, then it isn't true good fruit. John 15, 16, the, the verse we just looked at. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should do what? Abide. So Christ didn't appoint us to salvation that we would go bear fruit for a little while and then go return to the natural desires of our flesh. He saved us so that we would go and bear fruit and that our fruit would continue. It would last. It would persevere. Mark 13, 13. You'll be hated by all for my name's sake. We'll get there in a little bit. Here's the key part that we want to focus on now. But the one who endures to the end 
will be saved. Here's what Jesus is teaching. For those who are genuinely saved, the good fruit that you produce will continue. Now, this is a a crucial thing to understand in the midst of that. Your obedience won't be perfect, but it will be obvious. Your obedience won't be perfect, but it will be obvious. So, do I love my kids? Do I love them perfectly all the time? No. If you saw the way that I interacted with my kids at 6.15 this morning, you would have called DSS. I'm just kidding. That was, that was a little strong. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't deal with them perfectly all the time. There are times when I'm selfish. There are times when I'm angry. There are times when I'm easily frustrated. But if you were to follow me around for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, there's no one who would question my love for my kids. I serve them, I, I pray for them, I talk to them, and I play with them. I show an, uh, an obvious interest in their life. So my love for them isn't perfect, but it is obvious. And what Jesus is saying in, in these verses is that those who keep producing fruit, not perfectly, but obviously, those are the ones who are genuinely saved. So, really important question. Probably a question some of you have asked before. What if my fruit doesn't last? What if I produce good fruit for a while, but it seems like my good fruit begins to fade? What if I find myself producing bad fruit? So I want to give two possible explanations to this question. The first is this. Christians do go through seasons of sin. We're going through Psalm 51 right now as a church. David was a man after God's own heart, but he was a man who fell into deep, dark sins, sins of lust, adultery, laziness, murder, deceit. And so if you're tangled up in sin right now, and that has created doubt as to whether or not you're a Christian, here's a couple of questions to help you work through whether or not you're truly a believer. The first is this, what is your attitude towards sin? Do you love it or do you hate it? When David was confronted about his sin, what did he do? First words out of his mouth, I have sinned against the Lord. So if you're caught up in your sin right now and and you're loving it, but you're banking on this prayer that you prayed five years ago as the basis for your salvation, you're probably not a believer. But if our attitude towards sin is one of hate and and struggle and fighting, then that may mean that we're a, a believer who's caught in a difficult season of struggling with sin. But the second question that you've got to ask is, what are you doing to fight it? Like, if you're not doing anything to fight your sin, that's not good evidence that your heart has truly been changed. So here's three things that we can do to fight our sin. First is confess it. We can tell someone that we're struggling with it. That's evidence that we're not concerned about the outside, but we're concerned about the inside. We're not concerned that people think that we're perfect, right? We're going to confess our sins one to another so that our insides can be healed. The second is repentance. So we confess it, and then we actually take steps to change our actions. And the third thing is that we introduce accountability into that process. So if you're continuing to struggle with sin, but in your struggle you're doing those three things, confession, repentance, and accountability, that's a good sign. But at the end of the day, we still have to deal with this reality. 
This is the second explanation for someone who has stopped producing good fruit. And that is that ongoing lack of fruit proves that you're not a disciple of Christ. John 15, 8 says, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. When we bear fruit, not only does it bring glory to God, but it is evidence that our salvation is genuine. So our fruit must persevere. It must continue for us to have confidence that we are a believer. So follow-up question. I'm going kind of deep with this section. We're going to move on here in just a second. If my good fruit doesn't last, does that mean that I lost my salvation? Like if I was producing good fruit for a while, I felt like I was doing pretty good. I got home from camp, and for a few weeks I was reading my Bible. My heart was stirred during worship. I was interacting with friends about God's word. There's lots of good fruit. I'm loving my parents and respecting my parents at home. But after a few weeks, it goes away. Does that mean that I was saved and I lost my salvation? 1 John 2.19 gives us great clarity into that question. Here's what it says. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they all are not of us. There's a lot of us's in that verse. Here's what First John is saying. If your good fruit doesn't last and you find yourself in an ongoing pattern of loving the world more than you love Jesus, it's not evidence that you lost your salvation. It's evidence that your heart had never truly been transformed by the gospel. And Jesus teaches this very fact in the parable of the seed and the four soils. If you remember, seed, which is the word of God, gets scattered on the different soils, and in one of the soils, the plant springs up. But it's on rocky ground, and it's got shallow roots, and the sun scorches it, and it withers, and it dies. So you may have had an experience that changed your external behavior temporarily, like 180 weekend, like summer camp. But you weren't truly changed on the inside. Because those who are truly changed are changed forever. Third characteristic of good fruit. Good fruit assures us of our salvation. So as you're evaluating your own life on a regular basis at home, here's the question you need to be asking yourself. Is there a sin in my life that's causing me to doubt my salvation? There are very few, I dare say, any Christians who are walking in obedience to Christ who begin to question whether or not they're a Christian. It is the sin that creeps into our lives. It's the bad fruit that we begin to see in our lives that causes us to doubt. So John 15, 8, again, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. When we produce fruit, we prove that we actually belong to Jesus. 1 John 2, 4 through 6. Whoever says, I know him. So you can say it with your mouth. Whoever says, I know him but doesn't keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth isn't in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Let's pause right there. Has anyone anyone wondered, am I a Christian? You don't have to raise your hand. 
This is for you. Look at what it says. By this, what's coming next, we may know that we are a Christian, that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the way in which he once walked. So it's when we are living like Jesus, when we are walking with Jesus, that we can have confidence that our salvation, that our transformation is genuine. This, this is called assurance, and it's a gift from God. I don't know how familiar you guys are with the, the Muslim faith, with Islam, but they have no assurance of their salvation. If you were to ask a, a Muslim what they have to do to be saved, they're, they're going to start telling you about all the different things that they have to do, and it really, really boils down to this. Uh, my good's got to outweigh my bad. But you guys know Jacob Meneer. He interacts with Muslims often in Charlotte and Gastonia. And this is what he said. If you were to press them further, here's what they would actually say. That even if they can confidently say that my good works outweigh my bad, at the end of the day, I show up on the front door of Allah's house, and and whatever he decides is what happens. I'm completely at his mercy. Even if I was 90 good, 10 bad, it depends on how he's feeling that day. They have no assurance that they have a relationship, that they, that they will spend eternity with their God. But God has given us a way to be confident that we belong to him. And how do we know if we belong to him? If we look like him. How many of you have ever had people tell you that you look like your parents? People tell me I'm the spitting image of my dad. Don't know how I feel about that sometimes. He's a handsome guy. I'm just kidding. Well, he is. If Dad, if you're listening to this, he is. So how do we know if we belong to our parents? If we look like them, and we might talk like our mom or dad. We might look like our mom or dad. We might use the same gestures or the same vocabulary. And people see that, and they're like, oh, that must be, people say this about Justin all the time, that must be Doug's son, right? They see us, they see how we are, and they know who we belong to. It's the same with our Heavenly Father. You can tell if you belong to him by whether or not you look like him. And when we are walking in him, we have confidence and assurance of our salvation. Now this is crucial, so crucial, I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me. Good works are the fruit of our salvation. Say that part. Good works works are the fruit of our salvation. Not the root of our salvation. All right, so here's what that means. When we are transformed by the power of God, we trust in Christ for salvation, it's on the basis of our transformation that God has accomplished that we produce good works. So good works are the fruit of our salvation, not the root of it. In other words, we don't get saved by doing good things. Fourth and finally, Good fruit is rejected by the world. So here's the application question to ask yourself as you evaluate whether or not your faith is genuine. Is my lifestyle approved of and embraced by non-believers? Is my lifestyle approved of and embraced by non-believers? If so, what Jesus teaches is that your faith isn't genuine. The Christianity that you have bought into isn't the same Christianity that Jesus preaches. And we know this from John 15, verses 18 through 25. 
we're going to read the whole thing, and, and then we're just going to highlight a couple things in it. We're not going to walk through all of it. But John 15, 18 through 25. These are the words of Jesus to his disciples. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have not been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. There's a reason that this is the last thing that we're going to talk about at camp. Tomorrow morning, you're going to get on buses and you're going to head home. And if you're not conscious about it, you're going to easily enter right back into the normal patterns of life that you had before you came to camp. But Jesus is clear. Christians are distinct from the world. Verse 19, if you were of the world... The world would love you as its own. But the reality is that Christians look different. We have different affections. We have different attitudes. We have different actions than the world. And if you look around at your friends, you look around at the people that you really enjoy hanging out with and the people who really enjoy hanging out with you, and none of them are Christians, I think you really have to ask yourself this question. Am I really a Christian? If I have this set of affections, attitudes, and actions as a believer, and a non-believer has this set of affections, attitudes, and actions, then how can we always get along? Some people will think that you think you're better than them because of how you live as a Christian. Some people will think that you are silly or stupid for believing in Jesus. Some people will think that you're boring because you don't like to have fun in the same ways that the world has fun. Some people will be annoyed that you spend so much time at church and less time on video games. Some people will be annoyed that you don't participate in the same sinful things that they do. And when that happens, listen, that's a good thing. It means that your fruit is genuine. It means that you're walking with Jesus instead of walking with the world. Jesus was rejected by the world. And if he was rejected, we as his followers can be assured that we will experience that same rejection as well. So if your form of Christianity is readily accepted by non-Christians, then you aren't believing the same Christianity that Jesus taught. So, application. So what? Will you fight to produce good fruit regardless of the cost? Will you fight to produce good fruit regardless of the cost? So there's two realities in that question that I want to address. First is that producing good fruit is a fight. All right, so if, if your good fruit 
is going to last. If you're going to prove to be a disciple of Jesus because your good fruit is going to last, then you have to embrace this reality. It's going to be a fight. Yesterday morning, Burgess in Galatians 5, verse 17, read this verse. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. There's a war. It's what George was talking about, this this spiritual warfare that exists in the world. There's a war happening in your soul, and it's a war for your soul. The desires of the flesh will constantly kick back against the desires of the spirit. So if you're not ready for a fight, you're going to get crushed in the fight. So are you willing to fight to produce good fruit? It's not going to be easy. And what we just saw in John 15 is that that it's going to cost you something. But producing good fruit is a fight worth fighting. Producing good fruit is a fight worth fighting. And here's how we do it. With one eye looking back in the past to the cross of Jesus Christ who laid down his life on our behalf to change us and transform us from the inside out. And with that eye on Jesus, dead and raised from the dead, raised from the grave, we're motivated by his love to continue fighting. And with our other eye on the future, we look forward to the eternal life that we will inherit through him. So this is how we fight, with an eye toward what Christ has done and an eye toward what Christ is doing and the ultimate fulfillment that he will bring in the life of believers. Paul kept this eternal perspective at the forefront of his mind in everything he did, and it's what allowed him to fight through the persecution that he faced constantly. And here's what he writes in 2 Timothy 4. 7 through 8. 2 Timothy is the last book of the Bible that Paul wrote before he died. He wrote it in prison, on death row. Chapter 4 is the last chapter. These are some of his final words to his disciple Timothy. Here's what he says. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. May it be true of us on that day, when we stand before the Lord, that we do not stand hearing the most painful words that people who did good religious things will hear. Depart from me, for I never knew you. But rather... Would we stand before God, the righteous judge, our heavenly Father, and would he recognize us as his sons and his daughters and welcome us into his presence to receive our reward? If we can live with that day in mind, then we will continue to fight the good fight, regardless of the cost. And we will produce the good fruit that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would keep us from from believing that this stuff doesn't matter. 
that day is coming. The day where we stand before God is coming. And if we are not sanctified, if we are not producing good fruit, then you will cut us off and cast us away into the fire. May that not be true of us. May we take it seriously, the way that we cultivate our hearts to ensure that we produce the good fruit that you desire. God, I pray that we wouldn't do so dependent on ourselves. I pray that we wouldn't walk in the strength of our own weak frailty, but I pray that we would trust in you, trusting in the transformation that comes from the unconditional love of God that was poured out through his son on the cross. Would we look to you to produce good fruit? Would we keep trusting in Jesus as we do the good works that you have prepared for us? Help us, Father, from believing that doing good things will be enough to stand before you as you judge us. God, we need the righteousness of Christ and Christ alone. So I pray that as we sing now, we we would celebrate that. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God who has sent his son to die for our sins and give us the righteousness that we need so that when we stand before you, we are spotless and blameless and pure and innocent.